0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
0: The Word, than any and
2: it my heart.
1: The word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210 340 9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh.
0: Welcome to the program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And you're listening to The Word to Stand on For Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions or otherwise. We'll do the best that we can. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KS. Numerically, that's 6305757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you are driving in your car on this very cold day, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now button and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, 340-9585. Well, because it's Wednesday, a couple of things. Tonight, we're going to do a special Old Testament Bible study uh, in the only book that I don't believe. Now, we've had questions about this in the last few days, but the only book I don't believe can or should be taught verse by verse. I'm going to be teaching the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon tonight. Uh, here at Calvary Chapel. That's at 7 o'clock. You can live stream it at calvarysa.com. The applications are infinite. Not only that, but uh, this is the one book that more than any other declares the heart of Jesus towards his people. That's toward you and me. So for those of you especially who have a hard time believing God loves you because you keep messing up, you don't think that highly of yourself, this is a book think Jesus will look right into your eyes and tell you how much he loves you. So that's tonight at 7 o'clock. And, of course, tomorrow is the date day edition of the program. That means beautiful Paula will be live in studio with me on the program. So, ladies, any questions or encouragement that you need, tomorrow is your day. Let me get to some questions that have been sent in while we await some phone calls. Uh, here is a question from our email inbox from Chip. He said two quick questions, Pastor On Is Psalm 130 considered messianic? And then he says in parentheses, see verse 8. And what criteria makes any part of Scripture messianic? Thank you. Uh, Chip, Psalm 130 is not messianic. Um, the 8th verse says, He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. That was a very general Um, sentiment towards the Messiah the Christ when he came but what makes something messianic is it is predictive of an event Psalm 22 of course is the most famous one the the psalm uh, concerning Uh, Jesus' crucifixion, uh, but there are so many others, and those verses are quoted in the New Testament. Um, I think there are 25 separate Messianic Psalms that are quoted in the New Testament, and in all of those cases, um, it says something about either the Messiah's birth, um, uh, predictive of his nature, and or his name, and his name, Um, they're predictive of his ministry, um, or they'll be predictive of his betrayal and death, and again, 25, uh, there may be a few more than that, but the Messianic Psalms are all referred to from the perspective of the future appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ as the messianic and as Jews understand uh, a psalm to be messianic it's one of the reasons that Jesus was quoting them uh, one of the reasons they should have expected him they just couldn't get past the idea chip that that Jesus wasn't who they expected him to be and what that shows is that they didn't do a really good job of of um, studying their scriptures so 25 um, Messianic Psalms. So I hope that answers your question. Here is, let me see, our next question comes from, I have a hard time with my pointer today. Our mobile app, this one is from Stephanie. Can babies be possessed or tormented by bad spirits? Um, we don't, Stephanie, have specific um, instructions in, in the scriptures relative to this question. Uh, I can say this. I believe with all in my heart, babies cannot be possessed. Uh, but I certainly believe that babies can be tormented by bad spirits just as their parents can be tormented by bad spirits. That's what bad spirits do. So um, God protects the innocent. And so when, when a, a baby who can't fight, uh, certainly Satan wouldn't be given permission to to, to um, possess uh, a baby. Um, but I do believe with all of my heart that babies and all other people can be tormented by demonic spirits. Uh, and, and it happens. So I think one of the things that we could do, Stephanie, for uh, children, I don't know if you're a mother of a child or not, but... Um, when, when moms and dads put their babies uh, in bed at night, I think that's the one thing they ought to do is pray the protection um, let the Holy Spirit um, know that this is this is your child God and and we would ask that you protect him and keep his or her dreams sweet. And um, I always like to pray for the little ones that their dreams will be about Jesus. So, um, and the Lord will answer those kind of prayers. But no, I don't believe that babies can be possessed by bad spirits tell you a funny story real quick stephanie we have a, a lady her husband's now a pastor at the church and she's been around here since she was like 16 years old and now she has four kids and there were times in all four kids she'd call paula and say do you want these kids i'll give you these kids um and they've all grown up to be great kids so um yeah i do think satan does use any tool at his disposal to um mess with families that belong to jesus Let's go to our next question. This one is from Stephen. Pastor Ron, would you please explain Romans 11:25? 25? Uh, I can't, Stephen. Let me read it first. Paul writes, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceded. Israel has experienced a hardening in heart, I'm sorry, a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Uh, the idea here Stephen is this full number of Gentiles uh, Jesus himself refers to the times of the Gentiles the times that they will be fulfilled um, but the full number of Gentiles coming in, you remember in Romans chapter 9, 10 and 11 Paul takes sort of a parenthetical detour and he uses Israel their faithlessness and God's faithfulness as an illustration of the first 8 chapters of Romans And so what he does is he's warning them in Romans chapter 11 that um, God's not done with Israel yet. He's still working on them, but uh, he sort of delayed his working on them until the full number of Gentiles comes in. Now that has significance that's hard to, 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 to explain, Stephen. The full number of Gentiles indicates very clearly that there is a limited number of non-Jews, Gentiles, that are going to believe. Now, Gentile, of course, is anyone who's non-Jewish. So, in other words, we know since Jesus came, uh, this is the break between the 69th and 70th weeks of Daniel, we know that that however long this break is, so far it's been almost 2,000 years, but until the last Gentile, the non, last non-Jew gets saved Then God's allowed Israel's hearts to become hard and eventually he's going to turn his hearts back to them we know that's exactly what he's going to do during the Great Tribulation um, but there's a countdown in heaven Now we don't know what that countdown is we have no access to it we have no idea how many Gentiles are yet to be saved but I keep looking at this world that we live in I keep thinking about how hard people's hearts are becoming uh, among non-Jews. And I believe with all of my heart, Stephen, that that number is being counted down quickly. One of the reasons that I give invitations to receive Christ every time I teach, Um, Sundays with a larger crowd and more unbelievers, we we have people come forward. Uh, Tonight, Friday night, as an example, we will have... Um, uh, people just raise their hand if, if they want to receive Christ. Um, but every time I keep thinking, Lord, the last one could be here. The last one could be here and then we'd be out of here in an instant. So uh, that's what Paul is talking about. Don't, don't be conceited about your position over Israel is what he's telling the church in Rome. This is the hand of God who's allowed their hearts to become hard while he turns his attention to non-Jews, to Gentiles, who who are going to believe. Once again, Stephen, I think that last Gentile is right on the cusp. It could happen at any moment and then the rapture of the church. And then God would turn once again to his people, Israel. And why? It's because he's not done with them. Uh, He's got a great and wonderful plan for them as well. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. I did forget at the top of the program to uh, mention once again our annual Christmas dinner coming up this Sunday at 4 o'clock at the Shirts Civic Center. Um, don 't have to bring food to eat. we invite um, as many of you as want to come to the radio there 'll be a lot of food uh, you 'll meet some wonderful people. everybody there is going to be in love with jesus it 's just really a good time four o 'clock is when we 'll start serving in the in the food lines. And we'd love to have you there. Again, the one thing I would ask is that if you get there from the radio audience, let somebody know that you're from the radio audience and make sure that they bring you to introduce you to me and to Paula. We'd love the opportunity to meet you and just talk with you a little bit. So that's this Sunday at 4 o'clock. Here's a question from Howard. He says, how can anyone know for sure that God really exists? It seems to me that if he does exist, he would make it more clear. Howard, I get this question in different forms uh, quite often. And I'm always amazed that that the reality of God, as clear as it is to everyone who has a heart that would see it, I, I don't know how we can miss the reality of God. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech. There's no nation or language where they're not understood. Even the heavens, the the creation, the universe, screams Jesus Christ. Our conscience, Romans chapter 1, is a gift from God to sort of govern the choices we make, right or wrong." we do something wrong, we instinctively know that there's going to be consequences. Why? Because God gave us a conscience. Historically, we know that God gave Moses the law. This is history. This isn't a movie. And the law revealed the perfect character of God. His sovereign care over his people, Israel, who, by the way, should have been wiped off the map a whole bunch of times in their history. The single most hated people that have ever walked the face of the earth and yet here they still are. Why? Because God has preserved them. But most importantly, Howard, Jesus was sent. And Jesus, again, it's not a movie or a myth. Jesus is a person, a historical person who lived who changed the world more than any man ever without the advent of social media or, or or modern technology. He stayed in a relatively small circle area of territory and yet he changed the world as no one has ever changed him. Why did he change the world? He changed the world because they killed him. They didn't like him then. We don't like him now. And he didn't stay dead. And Howard, all you have to do, if you're honest, is look at the empty tomb. You have to be honest. you got to want to find out what's true. And if you look at the empty tomb, whether or not it's a story that was just made up, or whether it's really true, if you'll examine the evidence, and this isn't a a lifelong pursuit, the evidence is so overwhelming that you will conclude that Jesus Christ is real. Now you may still decide, Howard, that you don't want to believe in him, but at least you'll make that choice knowing what the consequences of that choice are going to be. So here's what you do. You just look at the empty tomb. If you can explain that away And i am been talking about these crazy theories. He wasn't really dead. He just was asleep, and the disciples stole his body. All of those things have been tested over and over and over. The overwhelming evidence is that Jesus Christ was put in a tomb dead. He walked out alive. He was seen by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. He ate with his disciples he taught them for 40 days and then everything he said would happen to them did and I don't know how much more clear God can make it now here's the element of faith and this is a question nobody likes when I say faith when the question is coming from a skeptic or a cynic like you are but you see if you look at the evidence by faith you'll conclude that it's true and you'll see Jesus it's just that simple I don't know what he could do to make himself more clear do you want him to get on CNN and proclaim I'm God the problem Howard is your perspective is completely worldly and the most important question you're ever going to find the answer to. That's why you got to really be diligent in searching it out. The most important question that you can ever find the answer to is, what are you going to do about Jesus? If what he claimed to be is true, then we're all desperately in need of believing in him and coming to him for salvation. No other man who's ever claimed to be God or a savior or the author of a religion has ever changed the world as he has because they all died and stayed dead. So I can tell you this, Howard, I know for sure that God exists. I know his name is Jesus Christ. Jesus revealed the Father. I know I'm going to heaven without any doubt. I've never, in almost 28 years walking with Jesus, I've never had a single moment's doubt about my salvation. There's never been any questions about my security. I know he's real. Because I'm sitting here in my studio with him. Because I talk to him all day, every day. If you weren't real, I wouldn't talk to him. All you got to do, Howard, is check it out for yourself and believe. What you do with my answer to your question, Howard, will determine whether or not you're an honest seeker of truth or you're dishonest. And you really don't want an answer. You just want an excuse to keep doing what you want to do. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. here's another anonymous question. Uh, I don't understand why many Christians are excited for the world to end. Shouldn't we enjoy the world we already have? Anonymous, yeah, we should enjoy the world that we already have. But here's the thing. Um, the world to come with Jesus is infinitely better than anything that we can possibly imagine. You take the very, 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 very best thing, about the world that we live in now. And it doesn't even begin to compare with the glory that awaits us in heaven. I can tell you why I am excited for the world to win. And when I say the world to win, it's going to happen with the rapture of the church. And then Jesus is going to come back. He's going to um, judge the world that rejected Him. And He's going to establish His kingdom on earth just as was promised in the scriptures. But the reason I'm excited is because then I'll be with him. Peter calls that moment the goal of our salvation. I got saved, Anonymous, to be with Jesus. Now, I'm with him every day. He lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. He leads and guides and directs, and what a wonderful life he has. And by the way, my life is richer here on earth with Jesus than I ever dreamed it could possibly be. Certainly richer than it ever was in my old life before Christ when I had a lot of the world's goods. But nothing compares to seeing him face-to-face talking with Jesus. when all of the questions are answered and when we stand in awe every single day of what he's done and continues to do when the mysteries of the universe continue to be unfolded before our eyes day after day after day after day you see that's why we're excited for Jesus to come I do enjoy the world we have you know this isn't some morose desire to die no it's because when I'm with Jesus I'm really alive it's sort of like the difference between looking at a picture of someone and actually being with someone well I know who Jesus is I know how much he loves me but I'm going to be able to access that love in an infinite sense when I'm like he is We'll have no more sin nature. We won't be tempted anymore. The object of our faith will be real and tangible to us. And it won't be until that moment, Anonymous, where I truly understand how much I'm loved. That's why I'm excited for. Jesus to come back and incidentally I enjoy every day even the hard ones and we've had some hard ones we've had some bad news some people in our church that we love so desperately going through some really really hard things but the truth is my joy is always there and so yeah I do enjoy the world But it's nothing compared to the world to come. 3409585, here is a question from Reggie. This will take us to the break. We'd love your live phone calls on the other side of the break. Uh, Reggie says, uh, Pastor Ron, my question is about the Great Tribulation. I read Revelation and it seems so cruel with so many dying. How could God allow that? Um, Reggie, one of the things we have to understand about the Great Tribulation is that it's judgment. It's about the same answer, why would a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send people to hell. He gives them the opportunity to escape any judgment, but when we reject Him and do things our way, well then there are going to be consequences. And there's a time coming. Reggie, just look around the world that we live in right now. Look around the world that we live in. Yesterday, for example, I had a question about marijuana, and then there was somebody else that called me in the program and sort of wanted to take issue with that. Marijuana is good. God created it. We're so set on sinning, rebelling against God, that we don't even use our brains anymore. There's no one who would objectively look at marijuana and say it's not a horrible thing, and yet we're teaching our children it's okay. We're teaching our children. There was a television program that I saw where um, um, a cop was, was with her family at a family dinner, it looked like on a Saturday or a Sunday, they were at the table and her little niece said to her, uh, oh, do you have a date? And she said yes, and here's what the little girl said, is it a boy or a girl? Look at the world that we live in, Reggie. Our hearts are getting so hard, we no longer even blush over sin. We've lost the ability to be ashamed. Isaiah 5 says we live in a time when good is called evil and evil is called good. Christians are tired of that. And God's going to fix it, but not without judgment. I'll come back to this on the other side of the break. We have 30 minutes left in the program. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. We'll be back in two minutes.
1: To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630 KSLR. Now here's Pastor Ron Arba.
0: Welcome back to the program 340 9585. Uh let me finish with that last question and we'll get to Roger on the phone in just a moment. Um, listen to this. Here's the thing, and this goes to the question uh, earlier about, uh, just before this one, about why we're so anxious for the end of the world. When we see what Jesus' world has devolved into, now there's great things about it, and, and we should enjoy it. Christians should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. However, instinctively in every believer, there's this sense that God made something perfect he made it beautiful and we should long for that moment the, the, the sin all around us or we can't be shocked by it or we shouldn't be surprised by it it should hurt our hearts to the core because the people that are buying these lies are going to hell and that has to move our hearts so in the great tribulation, God's going to say, I'm done. I get questions all the time, but why didn't God end the evil right now? Well, he's going to one day, but that day's not now. And that day, your question is about the great tribulation. That's when he's going to end it. And then there will be only righteousness and only justice and only purity. Why is he waiting? Because Peter says he's patient, unwilling that any should perish. So I hope that answers your question. Let's go to Roger. Roger, thanks for holding. You're on the air.
2: Yeah, Ron, a previous caller was talking about uh, when the last person is saved or uh, the mm-hmm. film of the body Christ. Where was that? It was Romans something, but I didn't catch the very end of it.
0: Okay, it's Romans 11.25.
2: 1125. Okay. That yes. was a very simple question, but I didn't catch it, so I, I wanted to look that up. Thank you a lot, Ron. I appreciate Okay, okay
0: Roger. Thank you very, very much. 3409585. Here is a question. Um, Reggie, I hope I answered your question. Here's a question from Danny. Um, should I leave a church that says if you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit? Yes, yes, a thousand times yes, Danny. Uh, that's a bad church. It's a prosperity church. Uh, name it and claim it church. Faith church, you can call it what you want. But the doctrine is horrible. Uh, it's damaging. It uh, I, I can't tell you over the years how many messes we've had to clean up, people that come from this background. So yes, 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 you should leave Uh, that church Um, don't leave mad just leave and find a church that teaches the bible Um, not everyone speaks in tongues first corinthians 12 is as clear as it can be i personally think that god would give anybody who really wants it and will receive it by faith the gift that's why paul would say i would that you all spoke in tongues more than i do Um, but uh, clearly there are some who just aren't going to receive that gift But if you're born again Danny then the Holy Spirit has been deposited into your heart already and speaking in tongues is only one piece of evidence, a very minor piece of evidence that the Holy Spirit has come into your heart. Now why do people believe that? Well they don't read the Bible or study it for themselves to get to Acts chapter 2 and The discussion goes, well, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. Well, they also had cloven tongues of fire and they all heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. We don't hear that. We don't see those phenomena any longer. This was a sign gift. Now, everybody, saved has the Holy Spirit. Danny, I want everybody to speak in tongues, but if you don't, That doesn't mean you're defective. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your faith. So leave that church and leave it quickly. Um, Here's a question from Wendy. Um, Pastor Ron, I've heard you being critical of people who pray to Mary. What's wrong with doing so? She's the mother of God. Um, You know, Wendy, one day you're going to be able to ask Mary what she thought about people praying to her, and she's going to be absolutely, utterly embarrassed by it. In her Magnificat, in Luke chapter 2, she identifies herself as a sinner. She doesn't call her son Jesus, my son, my baby. She calls him my Savior. And the thought that we would pray to her, to saints is an abomination to God it certainly would be an abomination to them so the practice is inherently wicked now we live in a very Catholic community here in San Antonio Mary is venerated Mary in some cases is worshipped as a co-redemptrix that's what's wrong with doing so it's just Jesus it's just Jesus Jesus You don't have to go through his mother to get to him. You have to go through Peter to get to him or any of the other saints. There's one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus, Paul writes to Timothy. So we need to take advantage of the access that cost him everything. So praying to Mary is wrong. It's sin. It's blasphemy. It's heresy. You're right. She's the mother of God and she is blessed. But she's not God. And by the way, Wendy, she... wasn't without sin. She wasn't a perpetual virgin. She had other children. Her and Joseph had normal physical relations. Pray to Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Marvin says... Did Elijah really want to kill himself in 1 Kings chapter 19? Uh, No, he didn't want to kill himself. But, you know, Marvin, I was talking a minute ago about uh, as Christians, we look at the world around us and we just get tired of the fight. We get tired of the evil around us. Well, well, he certainly got in that position. Now, you know the story of 1 Kings 19. Uh, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to a match. Uh, let's find out whose God is God. If Baal is God, then then let's worship him. But if God is God, then worship him. And of course, the prophets of Baal did everything that they could to summon him and nothing happened. And when Elijah called down the fire of God, that's exactly what happened. And all of the false prophets were killed. And did this great victory. And then he got word from... from um, The wicked woman Jezebel. That you will be as those prophets are. In other words, I'm going to make it my mission in life to kill you. And he was afraid. Evidently, she was a really, really bad woman, a tough woman, too. And um, he was afraid. He ran. Even having seen the power of God, only. Hours before, he ran. He was terrified. And that's when he got to the place. He said, you know, you might as well kill me now. Then um, why, oh Lord, are you doing this? You know, I'm the only one you've got left who's faithful. And God says, no, I've got 7,000. Just like you, don't worry about that. So he was discouraged. He was afraid. He was depressed. But did he really want to kill himself? The answer is no. That's simply not in his nature. So... Marvin, I don't know where you got that notion, but reread the story. And by the way, I always try to remember to say this when you get questions about any form of question about suicide. Uh, a Christian cannot take his or her own life. Does it happen sometimes? Yes, it happens. Sometimes they lose the battle. But on this side of suicide, the answer is always the same. If you're a Christian, your body's not your own. Your life is not your own. It belongs to Him. Only God determines the time of death. 3409585, Marjorie wants to know, why did God put a tree in the Garden of Eden when He wouldn't let them eat from it? Marjorie, I call that the tree of choice. Um, in a perfect garden setting, um, God who gives humans free will forces us to make choices. He could have forced Adam and Eve to obey him. He could have made them almost living, breathing robots. But instead, God wanted then, as he wants now, people to choose to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And so that was a a test The tree of choice. Now, Marjorie, one of the problems that we have in our world is we have a tendency to focus on the one thing that we can't do. Remember, in the garden, every other tree was perfect and beautiful and delicious. And every other tree they could be free to eat from. But to give a choice, he put one tree. Now, the tree would have been beautiful. The choice had to be meaningful. But he put one tree and said, don't touch that one. Don't eat that one. And suddenly, that's where we find Eve hanging around. Adam evidently did nothing to stop her, to correct her. Imagine you got an infinite number of beautiful trees and beautiful fruit to eat and all you can do is focus on that one. Do not touch and yet they had to touch. And it got them in trouble. But it was a choice that they had to make. By the way Marjorie, that same choice is in our world. We raise kids up to know the Lord We send them to the workplace or we send them to the military or we send them to college. And they've got to have their own tree of choice. They've got to make their own decisions about who they really love, who they really are. And a lot of them make the wrong choices. That's why it looks like we're losing a lot of kids when they go to college. No, we, we just demonstrated we never really had them. So God gave them everything to eat. And the way we should look at it is he only, only forbid us to eat from one. Let's go to Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air.
3: Uh, hi. Um, you know, um, I used to pray that prayer. I was brought up that way. El um, you know, Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Pray for us, sinners, and hours. Now, I just don't. Uh, and I don't do that anymore well i I was at the hospital and a friend of mine's in the hospital and they asked me because they know I'm a christian they asked me if it was okay for them to pray that prayer and i said out of respect I said yes it is um, it's funny. um but i don't i don't know why 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 did we why did we pray those prayers i, I don't understand why they pray those prayers <laughs> i uh, why does it come from <laughs>
0: Jimmy because the doctrine the, the, the teaching, the doctrine, the theology in the Catholic Church is so awful uh, people don't know and so we do what seems right to us and well I can pray to to his mother and get to him um, there's all kinds of reasons because of bad teaching they believe that that Mary and Jesus are just sort of one tiny, tiny step from each other Mary was a sinner just like you and just like me and um, um not to criticize you, but it's never correct to tell somebody it's okay to pray that prayer. Uh, I'd okay. rather respect I'd rather respect God okay. than, than worry about respecting my friends. And then especially when somebody's in the hospital, what we want to do is use that opportunity when their hearts are searching, when they're hurting, to use that opportunity to introduce them to the, the, to the, the, the only source of comfort that's available to them. So the answer, Jimmy, is that it's just tradition. They've bought into it. They've heard it over and over and over their whole lives. And so they repeat it, then they cross themselves and, and they think they're okay. And the problem is that they're not, of course.
3: So, well, you, you know what? Well, they, they told me, it's a friend that I've known him for years, and they told me, um, Jimmy, you can pray your prayer if you want. And I said, okay. And I said a prayer from my heart. And I prayed for healing. I didn't come out of any prayer book or nothing. I just prayed for healing, for him to be healed 100% in, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then when I prayed that prayer, And I I was in tears, but his daughter was in tears too, and she got touched Mm -hmm. because what I prayed, I prayed to the Lord from my heart. Yeah, and I was wrong. I knew in my heart I was wrong to say, "Okay, well, yeah, you can pray your prayer, but you know, I'm not into that. I'm not. I, I know." I don't know. I just had to. I was doing it out of respect. I I don't want to keep on the phone too long, but I. uh, That's okay, Jimmy. Thank you. I just never. I just never understood why we prayed that prayer.
0: (laughs) It's just just tradition. It comes out of the the Catholic Catechism, uh, and it's just a a, 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 a horrible misunderstanding of what the Scriptures say uh, and regarding who Mary is and it's it's uh, it really is evil jimmy so thank you appreciate the call let's go to san antonio texas now and talk with ray online too. ray thanks for calling you're on the air
2: how you doing Pastor ron?
0: i'm doing well thank you
2: okay pastor ron uh, i got a question and uh to see if it's something is hidden in that uh on the bible uh there seems for me there are things hidden on the bible and, and uh, the more we read or the more we pray, we can we can uh, open our eyes better to understand. Uh, mm-hmm. In the question that I'm going to ask you, there are some uh, there are some uh, scholars that they they say that is possible or they're not. In saying that, I don't believe everything what I read, but uh, I just like to know your opinion again. Another uh, opinion. Okay, uh, going back to other and uh, other names, when uh, they sing after they ate from the tree, uh, Father Yahweh told Eve about that I will multiply your pains and sorrows to conceive. Uh, the question is, and I love my God and I love my Jesus and my Holy Spirit. I just, just wonder, we meditate on this sometimes. How, how come uh, Eva Knows that he's going to be multiply something that he haven't felt, making this like uh, my, my, my point is they may be have kids before the falling in Eden. Just basing that uh, 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 verse uh, again is that like I will multiply your pains and your sorrows, and and God is so, uh, how it can be multiplied if she haven't felt it before? Thank okay,
0: you, thank you, I'm out. I can do it. Okay. Uh, a couple of things. Um, we we know that Cain and Abel were the first two children. Um, um, we know that um, they been Eve and Adam and Eve had been cast out of the garden. So so uh, until the birth of Cain and Abel, um, she wouldn't have experienced childbirth. Now, what, what's remarkable to me, Ray, about this passage is that evidently, and ladies, I want you to really hear this, evidently God's love is so perfect that that, that there was supposed to be childbirth with no pain at all, no labor maybe no even gestation period of nine months. Who knows what God was going to do? He, he told them to be fruitful and multiply. God, who has control over over the womb, he, he withheld um, Eve's womb from being able to conceive uh, uh, until after the fall, because, of course, he knew that was going to happen. But they, it's, it seems implicit that there would be an understanding um, from Adam and Eve... That, uh, that as they have children, when, when this thing that happens that God's told them about, be fruitful and multiply, when it happens, uh, it, it's going to be a beautiful experience. And um, as a result of the curse, he said, now I'm going to make sure that, that the birth of children is going to be with much travail. And that's exactly what happened. And I, I, I have been in many, 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 many um, hospital rooms uh, as babies were being born. And the pain uh, that they have suffered and gone through to bring a child into the womb um, seems to fade away uh, afterwards. But, um, you know, that pain is so real we're all instinctively afraid of it. We know it's going to happen. Uh, and yet God is there with us. So I just think he's not saying I'll multiply your pain. Um, not saying because the other kids didn't cause you any pain. This one's going to. I think that's he's just saying the world that was supposed to be perfect and without pain, without sorrow, uh, is now um, a world that you'll experience pain. The pain started, by the way, Ray, one step earlier than that when They were hiding from God. Adam, where art thou, Adam? God said. and Adam said, I'm over here. Why are you hiding? Well, because we were naked. Now, before they didn't know they were naked. Unfallen man and woman, the the glory of God would have shined around them. They, They wouldn't have any idea of what nakedness was. All of a sudden, they're aware of nakedness. They're aware of shame. The next time we see them, of course, they're trying to cover themselves up with fig leaves. That's in and of itself painful. We've got a fig tree in our backyard. It's just one of those things, right, where what could have been so beautiful was marred by sin. That's the way it is. Thank you, Ray. Let me see. Next question. We're inside four minutes. Here's a good one from Mike. What do people mean exactly when they say God spoke to me? Uh, Mike, we've got such strange language. We, 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 we get saved and somehow we're not even normal. We don't communicate normally anymore. What they usually mean when they say God spoke to me is God said something to my heart or as in the Bible and God spoke to me about a, a problem or a circumstance in my life. Um, um, you know, God's going to speak to us primarily through his word. Um, there are times Mike when he'll speak to our heart um, and normally that's what people need now unfortunately there are some really unbalanced unhealthy churches that, that will convince people that God speaks audibly to them that's just not the case he can speak so clearly that it's as though it was audible but God doesn't speak to us audible if we actually heard the voice of God it would crush us in its holiness and in its power, but what people mean is, well, I think this is what God is telling me to do. Let me give you an example personally, Mike, uh, because this is an example I'm an expert in because it happened to me. Um, March fourth, 1994, God spoke to my heart. I was up on a mountain. I'd been in the Word that morning. I was up on a mountain taking a long prayer walk with Jesus, and. Um, God spoke to my heart and He said it so clearly that I wrote it down in my Bible. I dated it. God told me to begin praying for the people of San Antonio, Texas. Now we'd never been to Texas, didn't know anybody in Texas, but God made that impression on my heart so profound that I knew beyond any doubt, beyond any doubt that that's what I heard. So. When people would say, well, why are you going to San Antonio? And I would say, well, God spoke to my heart. He made it crystal clear. That's typically what we mean. We have to be careful of the God spoke to me, because everything that God says to me needs to be checked out against the Word of God. God will never say something speaking to somebody's heart that contradicts what He's already said to everybody in His Word. So we have to be really, really careful. John says we're to test the spirits, First John four one, Because not every spirit is from God, we've got a whole spirit realm of people that are talking to us, shouting at us. So we have to check the things that he says to our hearts. Very unreliable. But there are some things that when he says it, you know it. I've been saved for almost 28 years, Mike, and... Probably there is 20 or 25 things that God has spoken to me so clearly about that I knew I heard the voice of God, not in an audible sense, but I heard the voice of God. And almost every one of those deals with my calling, the ministry here, issues between me and Paula when I say issues. She had to come with me. We were partnering in this ministry. So ministries to begin, those kind of things. So, Mike, that's what they mean. Be careful, be careful, be careful. However, the word is not the only way God is going to speak to you. Hey, uh, tonight, if you're here, Song of Solomon tonight here at Calvary Chapel, if you're coming, uh, our parking lots are being sort of repaved and torn up, so you might have to traverse around. I promise you this Bible study is going to be worth it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You're going to be blessed. Paul is with me live tomorrow on the Date Day Show. See you then. God bless.